Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. All right. I always want to read my countdown to go down so I can greet all of you who are worshiping with us online. I'm Chip Freed, the lead teaching pastor here. I hope today is a blessing to you. I hope every Sunday is a blessing to you um, as, we, uh, as we celebrate together. So thankful for Dre and Leah uh, assembling uh, this lineup for us to give us uh, one of the best Black History Month celebrations I've been doing a long time. So thank you to them very much from the bottom of my heart and uh, for uh, um, Eden and Timothy to pour their passion out, man. If I do, if I do this much of a good job um, preaching today, and I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. Thank you for the extra time for these special things. Uh, just a little of their passion, a little of what we saw on stage today might flow back into each of our hearts today. Amen. Hey, there's a lot going on at Garfield Memorial Church. Let me just do some housekeeping real quick. Number one, our youth are going off to a mission trip uh, this July. They've been um, raising money for years as COVID had us kind of on the sidelines, but it's an international trip to Puerto Rico. We have some leaders here from Puerto Rico. We have some former uh, members of Garfield Memorial who moved back to Puerto Rico who are helping chaperone and connect us to uh, some um, places of need there. And it's crunch time. Our youth now, uh, they have until March 22nd is the deadline date to get their deposits in um, to uh, be part of this trip. And April 19th is the final payment. It, it costs us really about $2,500 to send youth on this trip per youth. So all of our youth are getting scholarships. We ask the families to pay $500 uh, for that. But we also know that there are some youth, I know at our South Euclid campus and elsewhere, at Kids Club or other places even here, where $500 might as well be $5,000. And so um, we can, you can give to this. You can just go to our website to Youth Mission Trip. My wife and I prayed about and we decided to scholarship a youth this year for $500. Uh, what an investment, you know? I mean, I know it's great to invest in, well, Apple stock's not doing so well right now, but a few others, those are great. But what about eternal investments, you know? And so uh, you can give to this today at uh, four o'clock um, in our, uh, let's see, I got this on. Help me, Dave. You know, there it is. Oh, did I do that? There it is. Um, they, at four o'clock, uh, we have a group from our heritage. You met Brian last week, if you were here. These are young adults who sing in our uh, heritage choir. They want to do something to support the youth. So they're a group called Sonidos Dulces, which means sweet sounds. And these young men can sing, man. And uh, they just want to do something. So they're having a concert at four. There'll be some refreshments. There'll be a time to give to the mission trip. I know we're just sometimes in different ends of the building, but if you're not doing anything at four, come on back and let's pray and support our youth in mission. Amen. Um, I, I had three of my youth, all, all three of my teen, children, they're now grown. All of them had their lives changed on mission trips. All of them did not want to go. And their opinions mattered the least to Terry and I. Okay, so just so you know. Um, and they had their lives changed. Uh, 
Also, uh, Ministry by Strengths is one of our um, um, on-ramps, and it's a way to serve, uh, experience our gifts. My wife and I, Pastor Terry, are doing another one. If you're newer to Garfield, this is a great place to jump in and connect. We've had over 1,000 folks go through this in the last 13 or 14 years. So uh, we'd love to meet you. It's a good way for us to get to know you. And then on March 3rd, I've been sharing. Eric Stensland has touched my life. His writings touched my life. He's coming in. He's an amazing uh, nature photographer, but also an author leading us to the inner life. This place is going to be a wash with beauty of nature that Eric has has filmed. He's going to share with us his own journey as a missionary and what's led him to listen to God through nature. Um, And we also have a brunch. You need to register for the brunch. If we don't have enough people sign up for that, we'll cancel it. But we thought it'd be nice to have a QA and a with Eric after. So this is a great thing to invite your friends to. Um, this is a great series to invite your friends to. Um, people who may be a little disconnected from church. People who don't trust church. I get it. I get it. I left church when I was 17 years old and swore I'd never go back and stayed away for seven years. I was very wounded in church. Sometimes the biggest hindrance for people coming to God are the people who claim they found God. Um, And that's why Jesus had to dismiss the crowd sometimes. But don't give up, as I'm going to say today, on being together. That video was, uh, it's, it's risky, but it's great to be together, okay? So we're looking at questions Jesus asked, okay? Questions Jesus asked. He asked 305 questions in scripture. If you add up all the red letters, all the preserved statements we have of Jesus, that's a sizable amount of sentences that Jesus did not spend doing what I'm doing up here. He did teach and he did uh, preach, but he didn't do all that time. He was at table. He was breaking bread. He was sharing meals. He was listening to life stories. He was intimately involved in people. And he didn't just give little, you know, prescriptions or, 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 you know, uh, commandments. He, he asked questions. He involved us in the process. I love what C.S. Lewis says, our God, the God of Jesus Christ, never paints us in a corner and makes us believe. He engages us. I began to study this art of asking question, and, and you know, this is a, this is a significant um, art in psychology and in counseling and in teaching. Your best counselors, your best teachers, they ask questions, but they do like Jesus. Jesus didn't ask closed questions. He didn't walk up and say, have you accepted me as your personal savior? He didn't walk up and say, are you saved? So he didn't ask yes or no questions. He asked open-ended questions. Open-ended questions re- involve opening up your life. You, you can't you just give a question. You know, you know, we ask closed-ended questions. You know what a closed-ended qu- question is? How are you? I'm going to ask you all today. Just respond at the top of your voice and online. Go ahead. How are you? Fine means uh, fearful, insecure, neurotic, empty. <laughs> can't say that. But Jesus doesn't say, hi, how are you? Did you hear what happened? These guys are in the story. And Jesus looked at them and he said to them, he said uh, he had a clicker that the batteries must be bad. Um, He tried to say, he kept trying to say, that's not it. Um, That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. None of it's it. We don't have it. Wait a minute. It was it. I had it. Quit it. Here it is. Give it up. It's here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What are you looking for? 
He didn't say, hi, how are you? My name's Jesus and your name is, what do you do for a living? He didn't ask closed-ended questions. He asked open-ended questions. What are you looking for, right? What are you looking for? And we learn in psychology and coaching, teaching, this is a psychological magazine. In coaching, teaching, or therapy, a question can be an invitation to change, to see new perspectives, to widen our view. Our mission here is to widen the circle. We want to be a safe place to search. Really good questions will have all of these benefits. That's what psychologists say. Jesus asked really good questions. What are you looking for? What are you searching for? You know, in, in psychology, they call this Socratic questioning, meaning after Socrates. Socrates, the great teacher, we don't have much of his writings except his sayings preserved by his most famous pupil, Plato. And Socrates was put to death because he was empowering youth. He was empowering them. He was, he was getting them full of wisdom. And, and, you know, the powers that be didn't like that. And they had him put to death. But what Socrates did is he believed that there was knowledge already in people. That you didn't just have to go and deposit information, but you could call things out of them. Sounds like someone that said, may God, who has begun a good work in you, perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. Sounds like somebody that said, greater is that that's in you than the one and the stuff that's in the world. See, sometimes by asking these questions, it's not telling people they're wrong. We love to do that. Makes us feel so much better. It's, it's saying, you know, maybe what we're seeing here is incomplete. That's what Eric's taught me to do. Even looking at nature, I'd go, oh, look, a waterfall. And he says, no, get closer and see the hand of the creator. See, Jesus asked questions like that that we had to answer with our life. And we've stopped doing that. You know, one of the founders of the TED Talks and the TED Conferences, um, his name's Richard Saul Werman. He was asked, he said, you guys deal with so many questions. He said, because we've reduced education to students supposed to have an answer. We forgot to let them be graded for good questions. And do you know, this is stifling some of our youth. I, I read, I read this in, in Newsweek magazine not long ago. They had an article called The Creativity of Crisis. Do you know children are born into this world and they ask why questions and they ask what if questions. How many of you had children or nieces or nephews or grandchildren or you teach little kids and, and you know, why, why, why? And you want to choke them, right? <laughs> Don't choke them. Nourish them. I'm so upset with myself looking back at the times I probably got you know, short fused because they ask why too much. Because if I get short fused, people quit asking why. And see, they said this creativity crisis, the problem is, is that right now they studied in education, they found out why is it that kids' creativity takes a dive after five years old? Up until five years old, you know, preschoolers ask their parents over 100 questions a day. But at age five, when they enter the school system, it drops until by the time they get to middle school, they ask almost no questions of their parents anymore. And sociologists say this is about the time that students become disengaged and lack motivation for learning. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't, you know, just teach math or teach reading. He taught life. And, and he turned to them when they were following him and he said, what are you looking for? Now, they changed the question. I would too. <laughs> I, I don't want to go that deep. I just met you, Jesus. So they said, where are you staying? He could have said, 
Oh, at the courtyards down on Orange Place. I'm in room 204. But Jesus doesn't go on the superficiality. He says, come and see. Come and see. He has this, this invitation, right? Come and see. Do you know people are seeking again? Barna did this research and it said that, that over almost half of America said that after the pandemic, they are more interested in being open to God. Three quarters of Americans, 75% said after the pandemic that they want to grow spiritually. They're, they're, they're not seeking answers in science and reason anymore. They're seeking the spiritual and the national and the, and the supernatural. They just don't want to go back to oppressive, creative, stifling, uh, smug moralism. And that's what they see in the church. And that's what they see in the institutions. But Jesus wasn't a smug moralist. Jesus invited, you know, life change. Right? In fact, if you look what people are looking for, here's how they answer that these day and age. Um, growing up in the past, I was a baby boomer. I am the youngest baby boomer, though, born in 1962. That's the last of the baby boomers. So I was always the little brother, rambunctious, youngest child, baby boomer. So I just want to put that out there. But, in, but this was our generation. You know, what are you looking for? A paycheck, satisfaction. Who do you report to? My boss, my annual review. What do you assess? My weaknesses. What is your, what do you, you know, you, who, who defines what you are? My job. Do you know now, especially younger generations, only reflecting what we're all hungry for? They don't talk about my paycheck. They want my purpose. They don't talk about my satisfaction. They're interested in my development. They want to talk about my boss. They want to talk about my coach. They don't want to talk about my annual review. They want to talk about my ongoing conversations. They don't want to talk about weaknesses. They want to talk about strengths. That's why we do ministry by strengths. They don't want to talk about my job. They want to talk about my life. Now, let me ask you something. Which are closed-ended questions? And which are open-ended questions? What are you looking for? Jesus says, come and see. Let's come and discover together, right? He doesn't, he doesn't come in and say, don't you know how I am? who I am. I'm the great and mighty Oz, you know, kneel and tremble before me. No, it's so invitational. It's so personal. Come and see. And so four quick things. I try to do these in like four minutes each. First, what does come and see mean? What does this invitation to come and see mean? To find purpose, not a paycheck, to find not just a job, but a life. The first thing it is, come and think. Jesus is not intimidated by your questions. Jesus is not concerned about your doubts. Read the scriptures. He wouldn't ask us questions if he didn't invite us into the process of questions of our own. You know who doesn't ask questions? You know who doesn't want you to ask questions? Cults. Think about it. cults, religious cults, political cults, Christian cults. They, get, they, they, they don't want you, certain cults, Christian cults, I know, they don't want you to go to college. If you go to college, they want certain college. You know, certain political cults, you have to watch this news. Don't ever watch that news, right? And you know, when people start censoring me, I get nervous. I don't know about you. I get a little, you know, you know, Hitler burned books. Of course he did. There was stuff he didn't want you to read. But people say, well, don't read this. Only look at that. Uh, you know, don't go, only have to go to this group. Don't go to that. that, that that's what cults do. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, Jesus is not a cult leader. 
Jesus is not a dictator. Jesus is not an autocrat. Jesus is the author of the universe, and he comes to us as a good shepherd. He comes to us as a wonderful counselor. He comes to us as a wounded healer. He comes to us in the beauty of the Rose of Sharon. He comes to us as a great teacher, rabbi, lover, friend. He invites us, you know what? Come and see. Come and think. If you, if you study Um, You know, how come and think fits again? Which category does it fit into? You know, Jesus was asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, what's the greatest commandment? The, the, The Shema of the Hebrew faith was in Deuteronomy. And it read this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That meant all your strength, with all your work. That's the old work ethic. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount? You've heard it said, do not do this, but I say to you, he takes it higher. Look what he answered. What's the greatest commandment? He quoted the Shema with one change. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He didn't say with all your work. Think, reason, explore the evidence, Jesus said. Come and see if my way isn't the way that leads to peace. Come and see if my way isn't the way that leads to wholeness. Come and think. Don't check your brains in at the door. Jesus doesn't ask you to do that. He honors it. When, when he was teaching and crowds were leaving, he said to Peter, he didn't say, now, Peter, don't go with the heathen or you will burn in hell. He says, are you going to leave too, Peter? You know, just let me know. Peter says, where am I going to go? You have the words of life. He wanted Peter to think. He wanted him to open his heart up, right? Um, and, and I remember a theologian I really respected. He wrote a great book that I loved. And he, in the dedication, it was interesting. He dedicated to four people. He said, to my two favorite Sunday school teachers who taught me that the tomb was empty. And to my two fa- favorite seminary professors that taught me that my head didn't have to be. <laughs> the tomb is empty, Jesus said, but think about it. Paul was, a, Paul was an echo chamber nationalist as a Pharisee. He hated everybody. He killed people who didn't agree with him. But when he met Jesus, when he met Jesus, it, it, his perspective changed. Paul, Jesus said, Paul, I'm trying to lead you. You're kicking against the goads. Shepherds use those. I'm trying to direct you, but you're so mad. And you're so full of yourself. And you're so proud of your education. And you're so sure you're right and everybody else is going to hell in a handbasket. And you're no good to anybody. In fact, you're flat out dangerous. But come unto me, Paul. I want to show you things. And do you know Paul went away? If you study Luke, I'm going to get academic here. Paul goes away. Luke talks about 13 years of Paul's life in 16 verses. And then the last 10 years of Paul's life in 16 chapters. Some people call Paul silent years. He went away and thought. And when he came back from that time, you know what he said? He said, uh, um, sorry. Okay, I don't know what he said. I'm having so much trouble with this today. Um, well, he said, he said something that was really, no, I'm kidding. He said, whatever's honorable, whatever's pure, whatever's just. Paul said, think about these things. He came back a thinker. Um, and, and Jesus honors us when we think. Let me, let me hurry through. First, second thing he says is come and follow. Um, how many of you know Martin Luther King Jr. talked about the paralysis of analysis? Like, you know, we can committee stuff to death. Anybody know that God so loved the world he didn't send a committee? Right? I mean, all, all we think and talk and talk and think and think and talk and talk and think. You know, we're, we're right about those things. There's sometimes that you're supposed to get off the couch. 
There's sometimes you're, you're supposed to put your faith into action. That's why Flora was talking about some of the things. We're just trying to nudge, nudge us. What can we do? What can we pray for? What can we just be quiet before God? We, we got, Jesus said, come and follow. He said, just come and watch me. Come and get to know me. Come and see how I live. Come and see how I love. Don't just ask where I live. Ask how I live and come and see. He invites us into a relationship, right? And, and, and you know, it's interesting because John had to tell them again, the next day again, it's the Lamb of God. And they followed. We think, oh, that's great. They followed. John had to tell them three times. If you go back to verse 29, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And his disciples went, yay. You know, LeBron's coming back. We're going to win a championship. Again, finally, yay. And they were thrilled. And they joined the Jesus Christ fan club. But John goes two more times, behold the Lamb of God. And finally, eight verses later, they follow. That's the way it is with us. That's the difference between believing about Jesus and knowing Jesus personally. Being in the relationship he invites us to, right? Here's an example I give you. Let's say, like, like with Eric Stensland, you know, I, he's touched me, these writings. And because my wife, my teammate knows me, she said, you need to reach out to this guy. Quit just being enamored by his readings. Get to know the author, right? And that's like you. If you, if you, you, you like this writer, let's be gender inclusive. It might be the great John Doe or the great Jane Doe, and they're a writer, and you love their writings, and, and the writings really stir you. So you join a book club, right? And you get to others, and you read the writings, and there's a book a month, and you talk with each other, and it's stirring, and, it, and it's exhilarating. Oh my gosh, John Doe's coming to Garfield. You know, Jane Doe's coming, and there's going to be, the author's coming to your book club, and it's going to be like shake hands and sign the book, and you're going to go home, and you know what? A little bit of John Doe or Jane Doe's life has touched your life. Life. And it's so wonderful. Mary John Doe. Mary Jane Doe. Now things have changed. Not part of their life touching part of your life. All of their life is stretched out on all of your life. Do you know when I, I married my best friend, we've been together 36 years. And I still remember we got together, we were married. And then the next day, you know, we'd go home and we we're all there. And I thought, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make her breakfast, you know. And, you know, Tiana's there. I'm going to make Tiana breakfast. I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good husband. I got to go to the store. I'm going to get some eggs and get some bread, get some milk. And I got out and I got in my car and I said, oh, my God, I can't even go buy bread anymore without telling somebody. I had to get out of my car, go back in the house, nudge Terry and say, I'll be right back. I'm going to buy bread. See, that's not book club. And that's the difference. When you know the scripture, you know what Jesus said? Do you know where, what are you looking for? The number one place it's used in secular world right now? Dating. Women's Health Magazine's effort said, that should be one of your first questions when you're dating. Single people, I got your attention, Right? You go out on a date for the first time. Don't let it be too long until you say, what are you looking for? That's what they advise. Because how they respond to that, one woman uh, psychologist said, will let you know if they're looking, you know, for just a, uh, you know, a kind of casual one-time encounter or they're looking for potentially a life relationship and partnership. Jesus doesn't say, I want to date you. He says, I want to marry you. Read through the scriptures. Said Jesus is the bride. And we you know, are the bridegroom and we are the bride. He comes ordained for that. He says, I want a relationship with you. I don't want you to just know about me. I want you to come and follow me. I want to do life together. I want us to be together. Okay? So come and think. Come and follow and come together. 
Now I got to tell you, Pastor Terry's, you know, my best ministry friend. We are a freaking frack. We've been together 20 years. I couldn't do ministry without her. We work on sermons together. We, again, we reflect on things. And I've been getting so deep with this series, you know. And we were out in the main lobby when talking one time. We are just preparing for this series. And I said, well, Pastor Terry, here's what I'm going to talk about in my first sermon. You know, come and see. Jesus wants us to come and think. And he wants us to come and follow. And he wants us to come together. Do you know she went right into the Beatles? Come together. Right now, you know, and I'm looking like I, I just want to strangle her. Um, I love she went to Woodstock, and I'm like, huh, you know, Terry, I'm pouring my heart out here, okay? Like, I'm trying to be spiritual. You have not lived until Pastor Terry gets in your face and sings the Beatles. It is a moment. But I had to laugh because that's how we do this thing, right? We're, we're, we're preaching together. We're studying together. We're learning together. Do you see in this community that people weren't coming by themselves? They were coming together. Jesus called Andrew and John, and they went and saw, and then Andrew went and got his brother Peter, and then Peter came, and Jesus talked to him, and then Philip got overheard it, and Philip went, and he got his brother Nathaniel. We're not supposed to do this alone. We're supposed to do it together. I know community is risky. I know being part of a church can be, make you vulnerable, but we're not built to do this on our own. We're built to do it together. And if you look after the resurrection of Jesus, if we get to that in this series, and I want to, in John 21, the disciples are broken because their Savior and their Lord and their friend has been killed, and they think the movement's over, but they could, and they were wanted men and wanted women, and they could have ran and hid behind a tree or got in a basement, but it says on the first day of the week, they were together, hard stop, not together two, not together four, they were just together. And you need to do this thing together. And you know, the best thing that could ever happen to you if you came to a church because a friend who had been found by Jesus found you. That's how most of us come. Somebody's found, if Jesus found somebody and then that person comes and finds me and brings me to Jesus, right? Or a mentor or, but you know what? This is one of the downfalls of being a large church like us with 1,200 people because everybody didn't come here because they're invited by a friend. Some heard about us or word of mouth hit them or they did a, a search. I hear this a lot on the internet. Google, are there diverse churches in Cleveland? And we pop up and that's great and we're glad you came in. But look, if you just come in that way and you come in and you get a little inspiration and you hear the message and go home, if Christianity were a philosophy to teach you how to save yourself, that will work. But because Christianity is following a person. It's, it's personal. It's relationship. It's getting married. It's not dating. It's making commitments. It's, you know, doing all the one another's together. You can't do it alone and you need some friends because you're going to go home and you're going to know about, but you can't put it into application. I've been there. I tried to be a lone ranger in my faith. And let me tell you, my faith did like a hot coal and it's taken out of a fire. It went pssst until I met my wife and she danced me back in the arms of Jesus and we were friends before we were lovers and, and we were friends in faith and, and she was further along with Jesus than I was and she was patient with me and she caught me up. You need friends. So if you've come in new to Garfield, you need to get in a group. Come to ministry by strength, come to armory, get in a group. If you hang out here long enough, like some of us, I've been here 20 years and you still put up with me. You know, when you do that that long, you naturally get some folks, you get some friends, you talk about Jesus. You don't really need a formal group at that time. But initially, when you come into a community, you need that. You need people who will love you as you are. You'll need people who are advanced to you in the faith, people who may not be where you are in the faith, that you can do this thing together. I love Philip and Nathaniel. I love them. Philip goes, you know, we're always afraid. 
to be kind of like, well, I don't know how to talk about, you know, the small group. They'll know the Bible better than me. They'll know. Philip didn't care. He just met Jesus. He was so excited. He was said to Nathaniel, you know, hey, man, I met this guy, the Messiah. He came from Nazareth. And you remember Nathaniel goes, what good can come out of Nazareth? Now, Nazareth was a despised town. Philip could have been, or Nathaniel could have been bigoted. He could have been an elitist. But I got to thinking about it. Nathaniel asked a very good question. In fact, Jesus greeted Nathaniel, said, here's an Israelite in which there's no deceit. Like he knows the Bible. He knows the scripture. And the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures are clear that the Messiah would come from, come on class, would come from, uh, the Bible said, well, where were you guys at Christmas? The, Bethlehem. Yeah, see, okay, Philip, you're Philip. You're doing good. Come from Nazareth. He was going to come from Bethlehem, right? From the line of David. So, so Nathaniel asked a good question. Wait a minute. Everybody knows the Messiah is coming from Bethlehem. He's the line of David. He's not going to come from Nazareth. That's a good question. And, and, and Philip, what does Philip say? You do not question God. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I hate stupid. I really do. If I were honest, God said it. I believe it. I'm totally unsettled. It's knocked me all out of my comfort zone. Like, I don't know all the answers. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Quit trying to put me into your little container and box. Quit trying to fit me into your political party. Quit trying to, you know, squeeze me into your life experience. I'm the God of all nations. Did you hear that when we sing? I'm the God of all people. I'm the God of all persuasions. I'm the God of all perspectives. I'm exceedingly abundantly able to do more than you could ever think or imagine. Philip's not intimidated. Nathaniel asks a good question. The Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem, right? Yes. You said the Messiah came from Nazareth, right? Yes. And what did Philip do? Did he fall apart? He goes, I don't know. But let's go find out together. Let's go ask him together. Let's go learn together. See, Jesus wants us to come in a community like that. You need Philip's in your life who are going to take your questions seriously. You need them. Come and find them. Come together. Last one. Come and wonder. Boy, this one really hit my heart. And that's where I want a little what Eden sang today. And that's why I want a little bit about what Timothy Jr. expressed for us today. Don't lose your sense of wonder. You remember that Leanne Womack song, you know, I Hope You Dance. Remember that was popular. Was that the 90s? How old am I? Um, you know, I hope you still feel small when you sit behind notion, all that. You know, do you know that was written by a woman named Pat Tillis, and she was simply a mother writing it about her child. She didn't want that stifling of creativity to happen. But that song touched something in each of us. It made us remember it's not just about, you know, reason and mathematics and, and Pythagorean's theorems and, you know, Einstein's relativity. It, it, there's wonder. There's more to this world than what I see. And Jesus exposed that Nathaniel. I love it. When he goes to Nathaniel, he's, Jesus is from a distance. He said, hey, look at this guy, an Israelite in which there's no deceit. There's, there's no pretense. There's no uh, lying. He just asks questions. He, he's pure, hearty. He, he, you know, he may do some stupid things, but he's a great guy. Jesus praises him before he ever meets him. Boy, do you need people like that in your life. And then he says, Nathaniel goes, how do you know me? I mean, would you go to ministry by strength and steal my profile? What's going on here? 
And Jesus said, I, I, I saw you under the fig tree. Now to us, it could be, okay, Jesus was on the bus and he looked out and he saw Nathaniel. Big deal. To Nathaniel, something happened. He said, I saw you on the fig tree. He said, you saw me? You, you saw, you, you, you did, you are the savior of the world. You are the king of, of all Israel. What did Jesus see Nathaniel doing under the fig tree? I don't know. But Nathaniel did. He saw something that wasn't just science. He saw, he saw, you know, he knows everything about me. He's seen what I'm doing, but yet he's praising me in advance. And it, and it ignited in Nathaniel a sense of wonder again. He, he was in awe. Don't lose your sense of awe, friends. When Jesus says, come and see, be amazed. Open yourself to it. I was here in worship last week, and I'm going to tell you something happened. A few people in that row know because I almost fell on the floor, and I was talking like, wow. I mean, just keep your eyes open. You'll miss it. You'll miss it. You know, I wrote down my eight names, and one of them's a neighbor I have in my community, a newer neighbor. I don't know him well or family. I made pleasantries when we moved in, and, and, you know, I just put him on my list. I just want to pray about this family. I don't even know his name. Do you know I saw him four times this week? And it was just high, you know, passing. And I said to myself, did, did I just, did, did he just show up four times this week or did I just notice him four times this week? Has he been there four times this week, every week? And I'm just not looking. Don't lose your sense of wonder. Don't get caught up in the empirical data. Don't just study the graphs. I've shared them, they're important. But don't lose your sense of wonder. And Jesus says to him, oh, you think that's something, Nathaniel? I'm going to be old in the, in, the, in the words of the boomer band, Bachman Turner Overdrive. You ain't seen nothing yet. You, this is only the beginning. This is all the millennials are going, what the heck did he say? Um, BTO, you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, you think that was something. You're going to see angels ascending and descending. It's an image of Jacob's ladder. Remember, Jacob was on the run. He had blown it. He thought God had abandoned him. He lays down at the border of Israel and had a dream that there was a ladder came down in his life, angels ascending and descending. And he woke up and he said, my God, God is in this place. And Jesus said, you're going to see that. You're going to see heaven open. All the things you've been dreaming about, all the things you've been hoping about. Nathaniel, I'm the ladder. I connect the world you hope for and the world that is. I connect those things you want to be a purpose and give it to you right here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm that connecting point. Do you know I'm the, I'm the story that all the great stories point to, not just the Bible stories. You love good stories, don't you? We all love them. We, we need them. How many of you grew up, uh, you, you know, like me, and you just love Willy Wonka? Anybody out here? You love Willy Wonka? Nobody loved Willy Wonka. My God, well, thank you. Thank you. you we're here, baby. you know. You guys are liars. See, you, you've, the creativity has left you. You said, I can't say I like Willy Wonka. I like Steve Jobs. I like, you know, Jeff Bezos. I like, you know, I like, you like Willy Wonka. And when I was a little kid and Gene Waller sang, come with me and you'll see a world of your imagination, right? I cried. I was like seven years old. I started crying. Why? I don't know. And my wife and I went and saw the new Wonka movie like a month and a half ago. It came out. We just were desperate to go see a movie. I said, it's probably going to be corny. Let's go. We really loved it. It was a lot of fun. And at the very end, this new actor goes, come with me 
and you'll see a world of your imagination. Little girl finds her mom. I'm bawling. I'm 61 years old. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm becoming emotional. I need a motion coach. I, I, need, to, I need to call, you know, Ann Landers. I need to go to somebody. I need to be part of the beehive. I need a cause, you know, like over here crying at Willy Wonka 60, 58 years later, whatever it is. Why? Because there's something in me that knows it's true. There's something in me that knows that all the fairy tales and that, they're, 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 we want them to be true. We need them to be true. Where did that come from? Do you think Willy Wonka was the first one that ever said, come with me and you'll see? A world of your imagination, Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. You come with me and you follow me and there's going to be all kinds of everything you dreamed of. You, you know, something inside of us believes that death cannot win. Something inside even of us believes that love will go on forever. That's why we love beauty and the beast, right? Because we believe that sacrificial love will tame the beast in us again, again, again. That's why we love sleeping beauty because we think, you know, we're not asleep. We're under a spell. We're not dead. We're under a spell. And if a good prince could just come and break that spell and Jesus comes to us and says, everything you've been dreaming about that's on the other side of the wall is true. And I've come to bring the ladder and you're going to see the glory of God come into your broken and fallen world. And you'll know that there is a world of your imagination. So come and think. So come and follow. So come together. And come and wonder. Amen? Amen. We're going to take a minute on this day. I appreciate this. We've been doing Selah moments here a little bit. Selah, I'm not going to describe them all the time. Our tech team's going to come and clear the stage. And our Selah is, if you read the Psalms, they sing about things. They declare the words of God. And then the songwriter, was, the leader would stop, like Dre would stop and say, Selah. And what men was, stop and think about what you just heard. So we're encouraging you to spend some of that time. So I'm going to invite you to do it right now. We're just going to take a couple minutes. If you want to talk with someone near you quietly and something stirred up, if you're thinking, what do I need to do? Come and think or come and wonder or come together. Am I doing it alone? If you want to come to our prayer walls, we have prayer partners there. Come up to our prayer wall. If you just want to write something on the wall, nod. If you want somebody to pray with, they're there. Let's open our hearts for a minute to reflect on what you've just heard. Selah, let's spend a couple minutes, then I'll close in prayer, and our, our uh, band will lead us home. If you're online, please don't check out. You need this too. Stop and think about it. Think about what you've heard, okay? Reflect. Let's all reflect together. Take a moment. If you need prayer online, just email prayer at garfieldchurch.org. If you're on YouTube, if you're on our, our main website, a lot of, not that many people go on Facebook. Most of you are on YouTube. Most of you are on our church website. There are chat opportunities there. You may have to subscribe. But, but if, if you can't figure that out, if it's something you want to say, respond, just email us, prayer at garfieldchurch.org. We just got a prayer I shared out of nowhere from... Uh, from one of you that's way far away on the web. And I immediately talked to Pastor Lori and House of Prayer. We're interceding for that. Be in this moment together, just a couple minutes together, okay? Selah, stop and think about what you just heard.
you need to come together and you need to squeeze somebody's hand, your spouse, your friend, or somebody and say, I need you. Will you help me go together? Just do whatever it is. I'm so thankful for House of Prayer. They've taught me something I never knew. I told Lori about this the other day. I always thought I had to pray with my eyes closed. You know, people grow up and say, bow your head, close your eyes. I don't do that anymore. They taught me, pray with your eyes open, look around. So maybe you're praying right now with your eyes open, just taking it in. Maybe you're praying with your eyes closed, however you want to do it. Say, look, reflect, reflect, reflect. If you need to go to the prayer wall, go to the prayer wall. If you need a longer conversation, one of our prayer partners will sit down with you. Um, think. Let the word of God stir in you. Hear Jesus say, come and see, come and see. great hymn, Stony the Road We Trod, Bitter the Chasting Rod, but you, O oh God, have led us this far on our way. God, we thank you for leading us. We thank you for not abandoning us. We thank you for not making us follow the breadcrumbs and follow all the rules to get to you, but you break all the rules to come to us. You come and find us and you invite us so gently, so disarmingly. Come and see. Come and see what kind of parent I am, what kind of father I am, what kind of mother I am, what kind of friend I am. God, we've been looking for this kind of love that you bring, this kind of acceptance, this kind of freedom to ask questions, to be open. You can handle it. You invite it. On the cross, you even ask, my God, my God, why? You know those times. You know. You know, Lord. So help us to come and think and help us. Some of us need to open our minds. We're, we got too caught up in some echo chamber or some, somebody else's way of thinking and forgot to think on our own. Some of us need to come and follow. We, we're so tied up thinking that we're not doing anything. And in doing sometimes, we find the, the, the passion rekindled. We, we find the knowing just by doing. We meet others who, who give us a perspective that we need. And, and sometimes we're trying to do it alone. And Satan wants us alone. He does his best work in us when we're alone. The worst thing that happens to us is things we think about when we're alone. God, bring us into community. Help us be part of a family. There's people here without a church home. Come on and park with us. If you don't want to stay with us, that's okay. But let us be a way station. Let us be a place until you land. Let us be a people. We don't want to judge you. We don't want to, you know, you, you have every right to judge us. A brother that was assaulting us on Facebook the other day. I told him if I were you, I'd feel the same way. But that's not who we are, and I know that's just words to you. But you know what I said, Lord, you heard me. Come and see. Come together. Come with our hurts. Come with our hopes. Don't do it alone. 
come together. And oh my God, my friends, Holy Spirit, come and stir up with us again. A sense of wonder. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Nor has any human heart conceived what it is that you have for us, who you love, oh God, and you love us so greatly, so infallibly, so unconditionally, so eternally. We've never seen a love like this. We've never had a friend like this. We've never had a lover like this. Oh God, give us eyes to see. Give us hearts ready to receive. Surprise us, Jesus. Startle us, Holy Spirit. Shake us up and bring us home. If that prayer was for you today, that prayer was definitely for me. Would you just say collectively together to God, the great amen. Lord, we say it to you. Amen. Let's stand together and wonder and worship with our band.